The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is hour number two of The Look Ahead right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. And we've got a tremendous hour coming up for you as we're going to be joined by a pair of great guests. In 15 minutes, we've got Frank Schwab. He does a great job over there at Yahoo taking a look at all things NFL. We're going to look at a couple NFL season wins with him. Take a look at what we've all been able to get this offseason. And take a look to see if there's a little bit of value with regards to what we wind up seeing with regards to the schedule release from last week. Take a look at anything that he's looking at in general. And hey, sign up for a lot of the major NFL a lot of the major NFL contests wound up just starting up as well. So going to give you guys a little bit of something there. And then we're also going to be talking to Eric Moody. He does a great job over there at ESPN, taking a look mostly at what we're getting in the NBA right now. I know that he's been doing a great job taking a look at some props as well. He's going to be joining me in 45 minutes. That's 8.45 p.m. Pacific time, 11.45 p.m. Eastern. So we're going to have some fun taking a look at the NBA and the NFL. But that said, how about if we take a little bit of time and take a look at some baseball right now? I wind up doing a write-up every single day for DK Nation, and we decided to go to the Midwest for this one as we wind up going 971-972 on this game. Got the Toronto Blue Jays. They're on the road. They're facing off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Jose Barrios is going to be going for the Blue Jays and Miles Michaelis for the Cardinals and the Cardinals. They're a little bit of a favorite. I'm seeing them as high as a minus 117, as low as a minus 108 with your total Anywhere between minus 105 or minus 105, plus 105 on the Blue Jays and total at eight with a little bit of juice between minus 115 and minus 120 on the over. And for the total, I do like this total under. I think that eight went up a little bit too high, especially being able to get in a lot of places even money on that under because of the man that is going for the St. Louis Cardinals and the reason why my DK Nation write-up is going to be on the Cardinals. That'd be Miles Michaelis. This guy has been absolutely tremendous this season. He has made eight starts. He has given up two earned runs or fewer in all eight of these starts. Really had been banged up the last few seasons, but has always been a guy that hasn't necessarily relied upon wipeout stuff. stuff. Not a guy that is going to give you like a whole bunch of strikeouts or anything like that. Just a guy that's going to go out there, draw some soft contact, not walk a lot of guys. 1.7 walks per nine innings has given up two home runs at a little bit over 48. So he has been able to do a terrific job and, He's catching the Blue Jays at a really good time. This is a Blue Jays bunch that we were expecting them to just be this lightning rod of an offense. A bunch that would just be able to put up runs upon runs. They have scored three runs or fewer in 10 out of their last 13 games and each out of their last five. The going has been not good for this Blue Jays team. And in terms of runs created over the last, we're going to call it three weeks. They've been in the bottom 10 in the big leagues. They actually started off halfway decent. It has been tapering off ever since then. You've got Flagger Jr. and George Springer still stuck on seven home runs. I think that they were stuck on seven home runs when I was still in college. So, I mean, it has not been going too terrific for these guys right now. You take a look at the batting average in general, and it's not that they're doing a terrible job of being able to reach base. They're just 
not hitting when guys are in scoring position. This is a team that they are towards the bottom with regards to batting average when guys are in scoring position. It has really been killing them this season. And you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals, and this has been a fairly impressive offense at home. They're scoring right around 5.1 if you want to round down 5, if you want to round up right around 5.1 runs per game at home. So that has been one of the elite marks out there in the big leagues. They have certainly been able to do their part with that regard. And then you take a look at what you've been able to get out of Paul Goldschmidt, wanted getting a little bit of a day off for the Cardinals on Sunday. And what did they do on Paul Goldschmidt's day off? Oh, yeah, they scored 18 runs, and they wound up turning the Pittsburgh Pirates into the Pittsburgh Hickory because they wound up getting smoked by a count of 18-4. to four. So that was really impressive from the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, it, the only reason why the Pirates got four runs in that game is because Yadier Molina was pitching in the ninth inning, and that's a catcher. So that is why the Cardinals wound up giving up a few runs, but the Cardinals have been relatively impressive, and if you take out the random innings in which you've had Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina pitch, it's been a top-10 bullpen as well, so they back up Miles Michaelis with a relatively solid bullpen. They back him up with a good lineup. Nolan Arenado has been able to hit for nine home runs, and the young guys as well. You've had Juan Yepes hit above a 300 for this team. Brendan Donovan has been able to do a solid job, and for the Blue Jays, they just haven't been able to get stuck out of neutral because... He wound up picking up Matt Chapman in the offseason. And when you wind up picking up Matt Chapman, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get one of the best fielders out there in the big leagues. But a guy that, with regards to the bat, has been a little bit of a liability in recent years. And he's currently inning below the Mendoza line of a 200. And it hasn't been able to help out the Blue Jays too much because they've been struggling with regards to their bullpen. This is a Blue Jays bullpen that is currently outside the top 20 with regards to ERA. They're clocking in right around 21st. So. And has been a big, giant, massive issue for this Blue Jays team. And for the Blue Jays, it's been interesting. Their offense has actually been a little bit better recently on the road than it has been at home. You take a look at the pitching, and it has been very dominant at home. On the road, it has been a little bit more suspect. So you sort of got your ups and your downs with that regard. And then the guy that I'm looking to fade here is Jose Barrios. Because you take a look at Barrios, and it's been a case in which he has always been a very good home pitcher, whether it be with the Blue Jays or if it be with the Minnesota Twins because you take a look at him for his career and at home, whether that be in Toronto or with the Minnesota Twins, 349 ERA, 37 and 22, guy that winds up getting nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings on the road. Sub 500 record, ERA balloons to a 467 strikeouts per nine rate, winds up falling by a full strikeout per nine innings. He winds up walking more guys as well. The home runs, he gives up so many more on the road. As a matter of fact, his home runs per nine rate very nearly doubles when he's on the road. So a lot of issues there. I think that this is a Cardinals team that is probably not going to score 18 runs again. I would say don't wind up taking anything like that. But I do think that the Cardinals should be able to get it done, getting right around about a minus 110 to a minus 115 here. I think that you got some solid value. So that's what my DK Nation write-up is going to be based around, looking at the Cardinals on the money line. And if you're looking at a total, I think that Michael is going to do a good job of holding down a Blue Jays offense that just been shockingly not terrific this year. So I'm going to be taking a look at an under, and I'm going to be taking a look at St. Louis. And then the other interleague game is involving a team out west. We go to Arizona where the Diamondbacks, they're going to be taking on the Kansas City Royals. This is 973, 974 on the betting board. So right next to Cardinals and Blue Jays with Zach Greinke hitting the bump for the Royals and Zach Davies going for Arizona. So battle of Zachs in this one as got a total of eight and a half with the juice on the over and a lot of places 
around a minus 120 and this is a relatively pick em line as well with the diamondbacks very slight favorites between minus 108 to minus 115 finding the diamondbacks in a lot of places even money some places as bad as a minus 105 but that said you take a look at this spot and i do think that zach davies should be able to come out and should be able to give a relatively solid performance he's been able to do a good job of being able to hold down the fort giving up eight runs over the course of his last four starts which that's passable for the airs and the diamondbacks now the diamondbacks bullpen has been Far from terrific this year. Mark Melanson, he's about 500 years old right now. He has been blowing saves left and right. It has not been too terrific, and there aren't a lot of bullpens that are much worse than the Arizona Diamondbacks. They clock in 27th at the league with a 466 ERA. Fortunately for them, one of those is the Kansas City Royals with a 469 ERA, and they're coming off of blowing, and I'm not even kidding here, a 6-0 lead that they had entering into the 8th inning against the Minnesota Twins that didn't have Byron Buxton in the lineup. That's just about as bad as it gets, and I'm not one of those guys that I wind up putting, like, everything into momentum. It's one of those things in which I do think that the psychology of an athlete is to be able to flush it and come back, but when you wind up blowing a 6-0 to lead in the bottom of the eighth inning, and now you have to hit a flight and you have to go to Arizona and play about 24 hours later, that's not easy to do, and it's a bullpen that it wound up not only giving that up, but it also got taxed because they had to use up a lot of their bullpen pieces in a game in which they wound up losing because nobody could get an out late in the game. So that's not necessarily too terrific right there. And you take a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're not a team that's necessarily doing a great job of being able to get on base. They're hitting right around a 2-11 as a, correct, as a collective, but you do have the mashers. Dalton Varsho has been able to give you several home runs. He's starting to get on base a little bit more. You wind up having Josh Rojas have that three home run game against the Chicago Cubs a couple days ago. That was incredible for them. Chris Walker has been able to give you a double-digit amount of bombs. And with the Kansas City Royals, right now they've got 26 home runs this season. To put this into perspective, you've got Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton who entered into this day with 25. So those two guys have pretty much equaled the amount that you've got out of the Kansas City Royals as a collective and their leader in home runs is Salvador Perez. He's also a very trustworthy catcher. He is on the injured list. So that means that MJ Melendez is trying to not only be able to pick it up with regards to a power standpoint, but on top of that, he needs to call a game. And I always think that that's a little bit of an underrated value as well. Taking a look at the different ways that catchers might have calling games because Salvador Perez has been there, done that, won the best in the business. So that winds up having a little bit of a drop with regards to pitching staff. Now, Zach Greinke is a veteran, and this is a little bit of a wrench spot here for Zach Greinke because he actually pitched for Arizona a couple seasons ago. I don't necessarily put a lot into this one because Zach Greinke is a guy that he just doesn't wind up putting a lot into this in general just with the way that he is built. So, I mean, he's a guy that he's not going to get overly amped up. He's not necessarily going to be putting a lot of stock into the fact that he is coming back to Arizona. So, you really don't need to worry about that one with regards to this matchup. But you do take a look at Zach Greinke in general. There was a point this year in which he wound up having more starts than strikeouts. He is not going to get a lot of swings and misses, 3.8 strikeouts per nine innings. Now, what he does a good job of is he's not going to put guys on cheaply as well. Less than one walk per nine innings. So he has been very solid with that regard. He's been a little bit lucky that he hasn't given up more hard contact than he has as well, though, being backed up by that bullpen and a Kansas City Royals team, which they pride themselves on being able to get on base, be able to create a little bit of havoc on the base pass. But when you've got when you've got Andrew Benintendi being really the only guy that's hitting above a 300 with guys like Bobby Witt Jr., Witt Merrifield, Nicky Lopez, go down the list of guys hitting at 225 or lower. 
makes it very difficult to be able to do that. And I do think that as a result, you are going to see a little bit more of an under in this game, even with Zach Greinke having his struggles ever since he's left the Brewers and the San Diego Padres. I do think that you've got some relatively solid value here on the 8.5 under. And with the Arizona Diamondbacks, I was willing to lay up to about a minus 135 with regards to this team. So I'm going to be taking a look at the snakes in this spot, and I'm going to be taking a look at the under. And we're going to be hitting up on a little bit more baseball here as we wind up going along on the show. But got to talk a little NFL Frank Schwab, one of the best in the business. He does so for Yahoo Sports. He's going to be joining me next right here on The Look At on VEASAN, the Sports Network. This is The Look Ahead on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. We are back here on The Look At on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, and it's great to be joined by our guest, Frank Schwab does an amazing job of being able to cover the NFL over there at Yahoo. I remember a few years ago, he wound up actually having a very good run out there in the Super Contest as well. You're able to follow him on Twitter at Yahoo Schwab. And Frank, great to be able to get a fellow Wisconsinite on the show tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. You know, Greg, I wish we could talk about the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals or something. Oh. But hey, you know, can't win them, can't win a title every year, I guess. Yep. At the very least, they won one last year. Unlike the Green Bay Packers, they actually did something in the postseason. <laughs> so I'm feeling very good about that. And I know that you're feeling actually pretty good about the Philadelphia Eagles as well. I know that with regards to the teams that you're looking at for the upcoming season, you don't necessarily have a fade or necessarily a back of the Packers at this point. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that as well. But I know that one of the teams that you're really looking at is the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think that they've done some good things out here in the offseason. What are you taking a look at with regards to this team? Yeah. And they're one of those teams where I just like their roster the AJ Brown trade was so huge for what they do. It just fits now. Devontae Smith going to get a lot less attention. Dallas Goddard's going to be freed up a lot. And I think Jalen Hurts could take a step forward. You don't need to be a great quarterback. I'm not asking him to be Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, any of those guys. Just be good enough, solid enough. I think he could do that. That number one rushing attack in the NFL last year. I think they've added to the defense. James Bradbury signing was awesome for them. And I think this is just an odds play for that, for me anyway. I got them to make the playoffs even money a while ago. That's gone. You're not finding that anymore. It's really gone up lately. But you can find them to win the NFC East still at about 2-1. to one, And I think that's fine. I think that they're going to be right there at the Dallas Cowboys. I, I had to think Cowboys are a slight bit ahead of them. But if you're giving me 2-1, to one, I'll take the Eagles. I really like this team and what they've done. I like Nick Sirianni. I thought he adjusted really well his first year. So the Eagles are one of those teams I'm really looking forward to to betting on during the season, taking some futures on. And they took two guys from that Georgia defense from from last season Mm -hmm. as well. And that was a pretty good one. And when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles, when I took a look at it, I did think that they wound up getting one of the better draws with regards to the schedule as well. And how much did you wind up taking a look at the schedule release that we got a little bit over seven days ago and made you feel a little bit more bullish slash bearish on a few teams? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, Greg, since we know the opponents ahead of time, I don't take that much stock into it. I like to look, I mean, is there an extreme disadvantage or advantage for somebody? Or which teams are going to Green Bay or Buffalo in December? Which teams are going to Miami in September? Stuff like that, but it doesn't influence me too much. I do look at strength of schedule a lot. That matters a lot. Like, you know, Washington's one of those teams that I'm not necessarily high on Washington. I don't like what they've done. I don't like Carson Wentz. But you look, and some metrics anyway have them going from Toughest schedule last season, the easiest schedule this season. You're not going to see that too often. I don't think I've actually ever seen it in the past few years when I've been tracking it. So that's something that gives me a pause with Washington. Like maybe, you know, maybe I need to be a little higher on them. But as far as the schedule placement, it's fun. It's fun to see who's playing week one, fun to see who's playing on Thanksgiving or Christmas and all that. But 
I really don't take that much of an account to it. But I will, as we get closer to the season, if you take a look at rest differential and stuff like that, who's coming off short weeks, who, you know, who, who who's has to play on a Monday night and come home and play, or go on the road the next week, stuff like that. But right now, as the schedule goes, it doesn't influence me that much because we already knew the opponents ahead of time. Yep, I agree with you there. And it's one of those cases in which if they would want to make the schedule release, just all the better. If you didn't know the opponents, that would be really exciting. Sort of like what they do with the right. NCAA tournament with the seating. But it's sort of like, yeah. hey, we already knew that the Green Bay Packers were going to be playing the Minnesota Vikings twice this season and everything <laughs> like that. So I do agree with you there. And with regards to what we've been seeing the last few weeks in the NFL, a team that I was just very impressed by with regards to the NFL draft, it was the New York Jets. It seems like you're a little bit impressed with them as well. I don't think that they're going to be winning the AFC East or anything like that, but I could see a little bit of a marked win improvement. I think there's still question marks with regards to quarterback spot, but at the very least, I think that there are some weapons out here for the Jets. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on them, but certainly arrow trending upward for a team that, boy, they have needed the arrow to trend upward for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) They really have. It's nice to give Jets some good news. And I do think that this draft was excellent. And last year's draft was really deep and good. Like guys like Elijah Moore coming out of that. I thought they did pretty well for themselves. You could make the argument that they got the best cornerback receiver and running back in this class and also got a really good pass rusher at the end of the first round. So they did really well for themselves. It's a kind of team. I like their profile where it can come along very quickly for them. And you said, you know, you're not taking them to win the AFC East. I I, I don't know that I am necessarily either, but 18 to one odds. (laughs) I'll have a little bit. Why not? I'll dip my beak at that a little bit. But what I really do like with them is the over five and a half. I mean, that's not a high bar to cross. They, and again, they do profile as a team that is going to come along pretty quickly. It's a tough schedule. We talked about schedule a little bit, and I can't deny the Jets have a tough schedule. I think that division's very good. I think the Patriots somehow are underrated right now. But I think the Jets get over that five and a half. And yeah, I'll sprinkle a little bit on the AFC East at those odds because, again, we see this happen with teams where it just clicks very, very quickly with some good draft classes. And if Zach Wilson's look, he's got the draft pedigree. It was number two overall pick for a reason. And they put a lot of weapons around him. So I really like the direction they're heading. And I, I'm going to want some, I'm going to want some piece of them when I'm investing in my futures, just because I, I think that they're going to be a lot better than people realize. Yeah. I do think that the jets are going to be able to improve. I could see them getting to six, seven wins and heck, maybe even a little bit more because I take a look at another team in that division in the Miami Dolphins, and I think that they might be one of the biggest boomer bust teams out there. I really don't want any part of their season wins right now because they've got a new coach in Mike McDaniel, I mean, a relatively unknown guy until about 12, 18 months ago. And I mean, could things wind up going terrific for them? Yes, they have completely invested in speed with all the moves that they've made with bringing in Tyree Kill, bringing in Raheem Mostert. Now you've got Tua in year number three, and it's really put up or shut up time for him. If he winds up being able to bust out, it's going to be amazing for them. If they don't, well, they've got a lot of first-round picks for next year, so you could wind up seeing them move in a little bit of a new direction, but I think it's going to be really interesting to take a look at them because I could see this going horribly wrong. At the same time, if this goes right, they're going to have themselves a massive year, in my opinion. I mean, you make some great points, and I agree with you on a lot of them because, I mean, you just take a look at the Tyreek Hill trade, for example. I was totally against that trade because when you look at it on paper— Tua doesn't fit his skill set. Uh, Patrick Mahomes does. Like he could get, he could sling the ball deep to Tyreek, and I know Tyreek's more than just a Deshaun Jackson deep threat. He he could do stuff yards after catch, but when you look at what he does best, 
it's really getting deep downfield. And Tua is just not that kind of passer. And so much of their season depends on first. First of all, it's Tua. I, whatever you think of Tua is probably how you're leaning on the Dolphins <laughs> this year. But also stuff like fixing the right side of their line. And, and Mike McDaniel, I like him. I, he projects well. He's, you know, he's good in press conferences. I think he's a smart guy, but you never know with a first-time head coach. So he adds to this whole boomer bust type of deal. I, I I absolutely agree. The difference between ceiling and floor with them is as wide as any in the NFL. It could go either way from them. I'm probably fading them as we speak. I just like the other three teams in the division a little bit better, and I'm not sold on Tua. But you're right. If it comes along for them, they could be a very good team. Even at a tough AFC, they could be a playoff team. Yep, I think that it's going to be so fascinating to take a look at them. And a team that I was thinking last year was going to be a little bit of a boomer bust team, and they certainly did boom. That would be the Cincinnati Bengals. Going to the Super Bowl, that is the textbook definition of doing that. And certainly I am bullish on this team moving forward, but I do feel like the love might be a little bit too high on the Cincinnati Bengals. They did wind up having to eke out a lot of close games towards back half last season. I absolutely love Joe Burrow, but... That said, I think that the arrow might be trending upward just on them a little bit too much in terms of a lot of people's take because I still take a look at that division. The Cleveland Browns wind up bringing in Deshaun Watson. How many games he plays, that is a big, giant question, and that could wind up adjusting how he wind up feeling about this team a little bit as well because I think that that's a big aspect. But I take a look at the Baltimore Ravens still being there. I think that that's a solid team, and just somehow, some way, the Steelers are going to be able to figure it out. Mike Tomlin, just an absolute genius. I'm not sure where you stand on the Cincinnati Bengals, but I think that it's going to be another good year. I just think that maybe they've gotten a little bit too much hype based on the Super Bowl run that they want to making. And, and I agree with you. And it's it's tough for me because I like the Bengals. I, I, I want to root for them. I want them to be good. But I do think we're out in front of our skis a little bit on them. I mean, you look, they were a team that was 7-6 and six last year after they lost to the 49ers at home in overtime. And then they just got on this roll. And you can't do this. I get it. We can't say, oh, they barely beat the Chiefs at home. And they barely they beat a depleted Ravens team. And all these close wins. And even in the playoffs, close win against the Titans. Close win against the Raiders. Close win against the Chiefs. And then you lose a close one in the Super Bowl. You can't do that. I mean, our NFL teams, tough to win games. But honestly... When you look at what their run was made of, it was a lot of close, could go either way type of wins. They caught a lot of green lights. I think they might be still a year away. I'm not entirely sold on Zach Taylor as a coach. And that seems weird to say that about a Super Bowl team. But you also, the Super Bowl hangover is real. You know, a lot of these trends I don't buy because it's it's not based in reality or anything I, I, I could really get my head around. The Super Bowl hangover, yes, you have had a long season. You almost climbed the mountain. You got knocked back down. You got to start again. That is going to be tough for a young team to prepare again mentally for that. So I will be fading the Bengals early in the year. I'll be willing to shift if, if Joe Burrow, look, Joe Burrow's great. He might just prove me wrong and I have to shift my feelings on the Bengals early on. But I love the Ravens to win that division. I think they're going to be back. And part of that, too, is I just think the Bengals take a little bit of a step back from last year. They're not going to go away or anything. They're, they're, their skill position guys are too good. But like you said, fading them a little bit early in the season, willing to pivot off that and say, OK, they're for real. They arrived. But yeah, it's it's going to be tough to replicate what they did late last year. And that division is going to have so much intrigue in general. And Frank, I know you're going to be taking a look at that and so much more. Great to get you on the show tonight. Thank you. Appreciate it, Greg. Always a pleasure to be able to get Frank Schwab here on the network. And coming up next, we're going to be taking a little bit of a look at what we're getting with regards to the NHL series right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Ice cold beers and cold hard cash. Join in on the action on the pitch with 
the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season to get your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 years or older to be able to participate. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details and as always, drink responsibly as it is a look at with myself, Greg Eubes Peterson and Hopefully when we wind up getting Eric Moody on, who does a great job with ESPN in 15 or so minutes, we can look forward to where we're going to be getting in game four of Warriors versus Mavericks. Coming down to the bitter end right now, 104 to 96 is the count, buck 49 remaining. So I will keep you guys alert as to what we're getting there. And if we do wind up seeing a line for game four come out within the next few minutes, if this one winds up going final, I'm going to be passing that along to you as well. So keeping our eyes peeled with that regard and keeping our eyes peeled with regards to what we're all getting in the NHL. Since I wound up coming onto this broadcast, we do wind up seeing the Flames and the Oilers wind up going final Oilers and got the job done by a count of four to one. So that was a big win for them and a relatively pick em game. A lot of folk, a lot of books wound up having the Oilers anywhere between about a minus 110 to a minus 115. And what we've been noticing in the NHL recently has been a little bit of a trend to the under. We were talking about this with Wayne Clucci ever since we wound up having the, I guess you could call it semifinals of the conferences wind up starting up with regards to the Stanley Cup playoffs. It has been nine and three to the under thus far. Calgary versus Edmonton wound up fitting that mold. And every game that we wound up seeing on Sunday, as a matter of fact, wound up going under the total as Lightning versus Florida. That wound up closing at six and a half down. And delay quite a bit of juice to be able to get that under, but we did wind up seeing that game wind up going under as well. So it is very intriguing to see what we're going to be getting out there. And we talked about it a little bit with Dwayne as well. I take a look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, and right now I just believe that this is a team that they've got a chance to be able to win the Stanley Cup. I'm seeing at DraftKings right now, they're right around plus 310. And I also talked about this a little bit with Stormy Bond and Tony when I was doing the Greg Peterson experience, which was airing pretty much at the same time that you're hearing this live as well. And with the Lightning, I just think that it's a little bit befuddling what we're seeing with regards to this Monday line with them being anywhere between minus 120 to minus 125 on the money line with the total, much like we wound up seeing for much of, much of this series at a 6.5. And, and just take a look at what we're getting out of the Lightning right now. Andre Vasilevsky has been incredible at goal once again. And I just think that this is really the case in all sports. You've got that Ric Flair mentality in order to be the champ. You got to beat the champ. And I mean, the lightning have been able to win this two straight times was a little bit more of a strange circumstance when they were out there competing in the bubble. But I mean, this is a lightning team that they have been able to overtake all comers. They're a team that they've got just a high octane offense. And then with regards to goaltending, it is some of the best that you're going to find out there in all of hockey. And, I just take a look at the fact that they've just been so disrespected recently. And I think that it's a little bit strange because I mean, the Lightning going into the series against the Florida Panthers, they were actually a little bit of an underdog for the series. They were underdog against the Maple Leafs. They wind up taking down the Maple Leafs in game seven, which it feels like the Maple Leafs have now lost 77 straight game sevens because it has just not been necessarily going well for them in general. But this is a Lightning team that they just seem to have all the goods from taking a look at it. They've been a team that has been very battle tested as well. And I think that that winds up being a little bit overlooked at times with regards to pretty much all sports, especially the NHL. And it's been very impressive to take a look at them because if you look in comparison, now the blues are not the same team as the Florida Panthers. No fans are butts about it, but 
The Lightning at home, as I mentioned, they're anywhere between minus 120 to a minus 125. The Colorado Avalanche on the road at DraftKings, I'm right now seeing them at a minus 165. There is not that big of a differential between the Lightning and the Colorado Avalanche. Now, once again, the Blues, I think that I would put them a peg lower than the Florida Panthers. No offense or buts about it, so it's not a case in which you should have the exact same price for both of these games, but I'm just seeing that big differential with the Lightning at home versus the Colorado Avalanche on the road. It's just a little bit befuddling to me because I mean, year in and year out, we think that it's going to be the Avalanche year. Year in and year out, we think, all right, this is the time that they're eventually going to be able to bust out. It typically is this round of the playoffs in which the Avalanche wind up bowing out. I think that we're going to see a little bit of a different song and dance here in 2022. But, man, I mean, it's just one of these cases in which I just cannot get over the fact that the Lightning have been as disrespected as they have been. And if you take a look at DraftKings right now with regards to the odds to be able to win the Stanley Cup, the Colorado Avalanche find themselves anywhere between about a plus 160 to a plus 155. It's been flipping a little bit as money has been coming in as I've been doing this show, but when you're finding them right there, Lightning are at a plus 310. And then I do think that the Carolina Hurricanes are a team that you've got to be gauging very closely as well because the team has been a little bit different home to road. You typically don't find as big a splits when it comes to the NHL as you are going to be able to find in a lot of other sports. I do think that when it comes to home field, home ice, home court advantage, what have you. The NHL, it's a little bit lower with that regard, but I mean, this is a Carolina Hurricane team that when you do wind up getting out there in, when you wind up getting them at home, they have just been a completed utter lightning rod. They wound up losing to the Rangers on Sunday, but certainly a team that has been doing a very solid job here. And you just take a look at this Rangers team in general. I don't think that they're going to have the horses to be able to match up very well with the Carolina Hurricanes. And I do think that we are going to have a case in which it is going to be Hurricanes versus Lightning when it comes to the next round of the playoffs, especially with the Lightning being up by a count of three to zero. And what I just find to be so strange as well is you take a look at the series price on the Lightning. You got them at minus 1,800 and the Panthers, they're plus 900. This is just one of these cases in which if you really want the Florida Panthers to be able to win four straight games, and I certainly would not be taking the Florida Panthers to win four straight games, you might as well just put your one unit rather than laying it on the Panthers at plus 900, and you just take the money line for them and you roll it over four times. You're going to get yourself a much better payout, and I mean, when it comes out to it as well, rather than locking yourself in for a series price, you're able to shop the line as well. Maybe one place winds up having the Florida Panthers for game number four, I'd like plus 105, you're able to maybe find a plus 110 or so. Just before the puck winds up dropping, you're able to find yourself a little bit of a better price there. So I think that that would be a little bit more of a logical way to be able to take a look at that. And it's going to be some great action in general, as I absolutely love the NHL playoffs. So going to be keeping my eyes peeled on that. And I told you guys I was going to be keeping my eyes peeled on this. And this one just wound up going final as I'm doing this. 109 to 100. The Golden State Warriors, they are able to get the job done. They do get the W over the Dallas Mavericks. And the Mavericks, well, they are looking to become the first team in NBA history to overcome a 3-0 deficit in the conference finals. The odds that I would give them of that, zero. I do not think that there is any value whatsoever in taking the Mavericks to be able to win this series. I mean, if I am wrong, I will gladly take the L and admit that I am wrong, but... Warriors, it looks like they're going to be going to the NBA Finals. That was a very impressive win. And this was a line that just made no sense to me. The fact that the steam wanted coming in on the Dallas Mavericks. Now, 
The Mavericks have been playing some very solid basketball here in the postseason, but they went from being a two-point favorite to, in some spots, I know that Dwayne Colucci is over there at the Rampart. They moved them as high as a minus three and a half, and I just did not understand this. I feel like when it comes to the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics series, that's a very evenly matched series. I feel like the Miami Heat are being a little bit disrespected, especially with now being a six and a half point underdog with regards to what we're going to be seeing in game four. And we're going to be talking about this in a few minutes with Eric Moody, who does a great job with ESPN. We're going to be able to talk about both of these series. But I mean, just the fact that you right now have the Golden State Warriors as a three to three and a half point underdog when they are on the road. I mean, that's just a case in which I think we went a little bit too far with that regard. And that's pretty much saying that on a neutral court, because typically when I do a college basketball handicapping, some home courts mean a little bit more than others. But if you use the closing line, that means that these teams are relatively a pick em in this sort of a circumstance on a neutral court. And I'm sorry, that is just not the case. This is a Golden State Warriors team that they're much more deep than the Dallas Mavericks. They've got Steph Curry, who he was doing a great job along with Clay Thompson of being able to put this game away. Luka Doncic, he's absolutely terrific, but... Luka Doncic needs a little bit more around him before he's able to win an NBA title. Jalen Brunson has been able to step up at times for him, especially when Doncic was actually out the fold against the Utah Jazz. And I mean, to the credit of the Mavericks role players in that series that we wound up seeing against Utah, they were able to step up. They were able to do a relatively solid job. I pin that a little bit more on the Jazz just not playing well towards back half the season rather than anything else. But I'm very intrigued to see what winds up happening with regards to this Warriors versus Mavericks game in game four, because we should be able to get an opening line within the next few minutes. I'm right now gauging it and got to think that we're probably going to get something similar to what we might have seen with regards to an opener for game three, where the Mavericks were a two point favorite and that total was right around two eighteen and a half. This one wound up going under as well. And I do think that there is going to be something to take a look at some of these NBA conference finals games and even into the NBA finals games. And I do think that there is going to be a little bit of value on unders, even with the Warriors and all likelihood, unless we wind up seeing a complete utter collapse, wind up going to the finals. I do think that there's going to be some value there, but it's certainly intriguing that things wound up closing the way that they did. And the Warriors, they were able to close out. And a man that is going to be joining me to talk about all this NBA action next, Eric Moody of ESPN. That is coming up right here on the look at it on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. This is the look ahead on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. The VSN Summer Special is here for just $39. You get everything that VSN has to offer now through the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with some of the best betting content in the business right here at VSN.com. And subscribers, you get access to all of it, including Adam Burke's daily best bet emails, John Von Tobel. He's got his best bets all the way through the NBA Finals. Andy McNeil, he's covering everything with regards to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Plus, we've got you covered with regards to the NFL preseason, UFC, USFL, golf, NASCAR. list goes on and on. We've got premium articles for all of it. And VSIN has you covered with regards to daily best bet emails, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, our betting tools, and live video streaming, all for just $39 to be a subscriber through July 31st. You're able to sign up for this at vcin.com slash summer as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson, and great to be joined by our guests. You've got Eric Moody doing an absolutely terrific job over there at ESPN. He does some written work with regards to NBA, I know that he's been doing a little bit of WNBA as well. Does a great job being able to cover a little bit of everything. You're able to follow him on Twitter at Eric and Moody doing a great job also with regards to the fantasy realm of things as well. And Eric, great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I'm happy to be here. It's always good to talk. Uh, you know, talk NBA. It was an exciting game uh, in Dallas, so I'm still kind of reeling from that one. Oh, absolutely. I mean, now we've got the Warriors up three to zero, and I think that it's fair to say that the Mavericks probably are not going to be going to the NBA Finals. They would have to do something that we have just never seen before. But I think that it is intriguing to just take a look at this Warriors team because even without Gary Payton the second, it just feels like they're the deeper team in this series. And as it wound up getting into the third quarter, which has always been the Warriors quarter, they just wound up taking over the game then. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Some really good points. Uh, with Wiggins, with how he's he's played uh, defense on Luka has been exciting to watch. Now, I know Luka is still obviously scoring points, but they're really making him work, uh, you know, to get those points. So, uh, but just looking at this Warriors team, like to your point, I'm like they've they've got a lot of uh, a lot of depth, and it's been impressive to see like a guy like Looney, you know, really come into his own. I know he's recorded uh, double figures in the rebounds in consecutive games uh, for the first time in his playoff career. So that's exciting to watch. And, you know, obviously Steph Curry is Steph Curry and, and the other pieces that they have for the Warriors have been solid. Uh, I will I will mention one thing about the Mavericks and kind of pass it back to you. This has been driving me like like batty is that uh, I felt like going into this game, like Reggie Bullock could be positioned for success, especially with, uh, you know, with Luka and Jalen Brunson, you know, really attacking the paint, trying to get to the rim and kind of creating some uh, shooting opportunities, but he went 0 for 10 for night uh, for tonight. And that would be the most attempts for him without a make in any game of his career. So that's just blowing my mind right now. Yeah, that was absolutely insane. And Dwight Powell only wound up playing eight minutes in this game as well. Yeah. So that wound up hurting them a little bit as well. So you had to have guys off the bench trying to be able to mix a match that did not wind up being the case for the Dallas Mavericks. And I think that that's just the entirety of this series because Luka Doncic, I mean, the guy was absolutely amazing tonight. He wound up putting up 40 points. He does wind up turning the ball over a little bit more than I would like yeah. to see, but that's just because of his usage in general. There's just not a lot that can be done, and even in this game, three turnovers, that's, you're certainly going to take that with Luka Doncic's usage rate, but I mean, when it comes to Dallas Mavericks, it's really hard to be able to back this team unless if you do wind up getting those ancillary production, and I know that you're yeah. someone that you take a look at player props, it's hard to take too many overs on guys not named Luka Doncic right now. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, Luka, you know, he became tonight like the sixth player in uh, NBA postseason history to score, you know, 40 or more points in consecutive games, and his team lost each game. But to your point, looking at it from a prop perspective, you know, Luka, uh, obviously a good recommendation going over whether you're looking at points, you know, points and rebounds, points assist rebounds. Uh, someone else that you can trust, but it's not really many other options outside of this, is uh, Jalen Brunson. I know he had a solid game tonight. Uh, and depending on the prop that you uh, that you you know that you bet on, I'm like we're successful, but it's just kind of it's it's really difficult to trust any other pieces on this team right now. Yep, I'm right there with you. And to your point, Jalen Brunson, 20 points tonight. He certainly did wind up having a solid effort, and he's really become, in my opinion, the number two on that Dallas Mavericks team. But haven't had a whole lot of help for Luka Doncic, and I just take a look at the Warriors moving forward as well. And I feel like this is just the best team in the NBA right now. I feel like as long as they don't wind up blowing this three to zero lead, which boy, would we have something to talk about if they wind up blowing a three to zero lead. But I feel like whether they wind up playing against the Celtics or they wind up playing against the Heat, they've got the leg up just with the way that Klay Thompson and Steph Curry have been able to light it up. Steph Curry has come back here in the postseason. He has looked like really one of the best players in all the NBA once again. And I just think that this is going to be tough for whoever winds up coming out of that series between the Celtics and the Heat to be able to stop what we've got right now with Golden State. 
Yeah, all very good points. I know I was very high on Golden State going into the season to uh, to win the NBA championship, and things have really come together uh, nicely. You know, Steph Curry, to your point, had a, a really, really, uh, really big game, and I felt like he would score over 30 points because I know he wanted to break that tie with uh, Dirk Nowitzki uh, for uh, the most 30-point games in playoff history. So I know that was one recommendation that I had at a column at ESPN today. It looked like that one panned out. So it will be interesting to watch this team, especially – Move on, keeping the fingers crossed, and the and the you know go into the finals to see who they match up with. And he just got there with 31, and I know mm-hmm. that they did plenty of cutaways to Dirk Davitsky during the game as well. So <laughs> he was certainly in attendance there. And I just mentioned it. I do think that the Warriors have the leg up with regards to who we're going to be seeing coming out of the East. And I think Game Four is going to be really fascinating. Right now, we're finding the Celtics as a six and a half point favorite. You've got lot of injury concerns because not only did you wind up having Jimmy Butler go down, sounds like he's going to be able to play, but you also did wind up seeing Jason Tatum have a little bit of an injury. Marcus Smart was dealing with some things. I'm not sure about you. I think this has went a little bit too lofty on the Celtics. I think that they're going to be able to even up the series. I can't bring myself to lay six half. I'm not sure what your thoughts are, but I think that it's went up a little bit too lofty for me. Yeah, you know, you and I, I'm like, we're, we're aligned like quite a bit tonight. I just, just the way that this, it's like a ping pong match, you know, it's going back and forth. And, and after getting kind of humiliated, and if the Celtics will come back strong, like you mentioned a couple of things, like with the injuries, I'm like, it was just a bruising game, you know, to watch. I'm like, you've got, even in the series, you got Marcus Smart, you know, Al Horford, you know, Derek, uh, Derek White, you know, Robert Williams, you know, they've all missed time, you know, for the Heat. Kyle Lowry has obviously been out. Uh, but I think all of us were kind of holding our breath, like with uh, Smart, you know, Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler, you know, all made their way to the locker room, you know, at different points in this game. But I think Butler is so important for the Heat. I know he's expected to play uh, for tomorrow night uh, as well, like with Jason, you know, Jason Tatum. Uh, so all of those players should be active. One thing I'll kind of close the loop on this and kind of, uh, push it back to you would be that uh, I think it's worth mentioning, like with the Heat, you know, they're uh, 17 and 0 when leading, you know, 2 0 in a best of seven series. And so even if the Celtics win, you know, I still, uh, for tomorrow night, you know, I still like the Heat to, to win this series. But I know it's some other takeaways that I have from this game, too, that, you know, if we have time, I'd love to kind of go into. So, oh, absolutely. And I think that the Heat have been one of the most disrespected teams yeah. in all of sports the last few years. I mean, this was the yeah. one seed, and I mean, everyone was just like, ah, oh, what about the Milwaukee Bucks? What about the Boston Celtics? I mean, can we wind up getting insert team here into the playoffs? The Brooklyn Nets a few weeks ago. So, I mean, man, it's just been a case in which the Heat, they certainly have been able to rise up a little bit more. And I know that you do a lot with regards to player props as well. So I want to touch upon this because we are talking about all these guys and whether or not they're going to play. How much do you want to just take a look at not just how they're going to be able to play, but their effectiveness as well? Because I always think that that's the better question to wind up asking because it does no good to wind up having Jason Tatum out there if he's out there on 45%, which I am judging by the way that he wound up ending the game. That certainly probably is not going to be the case, but I think that just the closeness to 100%, I think is just so important when taking a look at not just the game itself, but also those player props too. Yeah, no, again, another really good point. I would say from a, a prop lens, excuse me, like if you're looking at uh, like, you know, Jimmy Butler, I know he's is expected to play. Uh, I would say with Butler, one prop that I really like is for uh, Butler to go over, you know, four and a half assists. I know he's averaged five assists per game this postseason. You know, Butler could act more as a facilitator in game four. That kind of brings you to another member of the Heat, you know, that really had a transcendent performance, you know, for, for his career, you know, in a playoff game was uh, Bam Adebayo. Uh, I know he finally, finally stepped up and uh, had that monster game that we 
have been anticipating. So I do like Bam again uh, for tomorrow night. If you're looking at uh, you know points, assists, and rebounds, or even points and rebounds, one uh, one stat on Adebayo that I really like, you know, his 26 paint points tied for the second most in a playoff game in Heat history, and also tied for the most in any game of his career. So, you know, with Butler less than 100%, I think they'll continue to lean heavily on uh, Adebayo. If you're looking at things from the Celtics perspective, I'll kind of close uh, close on this is that, uh, and also something else too with Adebayo to close the loop there is with uh, Robert Williams his status being up in the air, I think that's something to factor in as well, which could uh, give Adebayo an even higher ceiling. But looking at Jason Tatum, uh, I, I believe he'll wake up uh, from his nap and uh, deliver a big performance. So I do like uh, from a prop betting lens to go over on the points with him. So I know those are three props that I like quite a bit. Oh, it's going to be really interesting to see what winds up going on there. And I've got one pressing question for you. That helmet oh, sure. in the background, is that Nichols? Mm-hmm. That is Nickel State. Yes. All yes. right. Nice eye. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I I love Nickel betting State. on them in college basketball. A team that generates steals. I think that they're going to have another big year out there in the SoCon. And you had yourself a good interview, Eric. Always appreciate it. Thank you so much. Oh, no, thank you. It's a pleasure as always. Hey, have a great rest of the night. A wealth of knowledge. Eric Moody, absolutely terrific content there. Great to be able to get him on here on The Look At and coming up in the final hour. Going to be taking a look at where we're going to be getting in Major League Baseball Monday right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. If you thought there was a sports betting offseason, think again. Our VSIN sports betting experts are working 24 7 to keep you informed on every sport on the schedule. The over pays the same for a baseball game or a football championship, and our team grinds year round to help improve your betting round, to help improve your betting round, to help improve your betting round, to help improve. 